in Bozeman, Montana. I don't know anybody who saw this large of a victory for either team, frankly, coming into this game. We wrap up our season of Big Sky Football. Well, I don't think anyone really saw that coming with that margin of victory. Montana State, state champions for the fourth straight year. And for the third straight year, our own Bear Tycoon paying his debts for yet again losing another Cat Grizz game. Without further ado, Bear Tycoon with his most recent rendition of the Montana State fight song. Stand up and cheer, cheer long and loud for dear Montana. For today we raise the blue and gold two-way victorious. Our sturdy band now is fighting, and we are sure to win the fray. We got the vim. We're here to win. For this is dear Montana State. It's a terrible fight song. Wow. Go, cats, go. What what a miserable You are getting really, really good at that. Yeah. I will admit that. I didn't know. The first time I did it, I truly had never heard it before. I had to look it up. I had to learn the tune. Now it's... I'm hummering that song all the time. I know it like the back of my hand. Yeah, you do. It's uh, and with the amount of times you heard it on Saturday, played by the marching band. That was probably your best rendition in the last three years. So fantastic work there, fantastic job. And I guess the first question I have for you, after that, how are you feeling? How are you feeling after one of the most Lopsided victories in recent memory. Well, since Jake Bleskin was quarterback. Well, this how are you is, feeling about it, this game? It's the biggest loss by Montana to Montana State yep. since 1966. Okay. Okay. So awful. That was almost 20 years yeah. before I was born. Uh, the first four-game win streak for the Grizz since uh, the last for the Cats. For for the cats. cats. The last four-game win streak for the Cats started in the Nixon administration. Um. So I'll be the seventies. So that feels weird. And I guess I have a couple thoughts, Nate. The first thought is for all the Grizz fans trying to justify like, well, we got the easier side of the bracket. And if we can make it further in the playoffs, you know, that'll be something that doesn't mean anything. And I think this just settles it once and for all. There are two things that matter. One is winning a national championship and the other is winning Cat Grizz. If the Grizz somehow go further in the playoffs than the Bobcats, I don't care. I'll be happy when they win yeah, games. Yeah. Unless they win the national championship, which they're not going to do, it doesn't matter. This this really hurt. The other thing I would say is, so last year is obviously like a absolute kick to the nuts. The Grizz had that game in hand most of the game, uh, went down, should have won, you know, towards the end, the Bobcats knocked the ball loose. It was just gut punch after gut punch. Okay. This year's game, I was able to mourn the loss pretty early on. Like 
within the first like 45 yeah, there wasn't seconds, much... it was like, yeah. this, this may not be our day. And so by the time I left the stadium, I'd already kind of mourned the fact that this, that this happened. Um, how do you feel with such a big victory? That was one of the most fun times I've had in Bobcat Stadium. And I've been going to games for I don't know how long. Yeah. That was that that place was rocking from the opening kickoff. Yes. The first play of the game, Jacque Allen comes down, drills Sam Torre, fumble, cat's ball. That place went nuts and the tone was set from that moment on. Bobcat Stadium was ready to erupt and they got their chance to erupt on the very first play from scrimmage. But not I mean not even the um, first play from scrimmage because uh the Bobcats were had advantage on one the kickoff. They kicked it into the end zone. The Grizz took True. it out of the end yep. zone, and and the the Cats took them down on like the sixteen yard line. I think it was the fourteen yard line. Uh, Wait, yeah, fourteen yard. And, line. and then uh, went the Grizz got a delay of game, and that delay of game. I'll tell you what. I think Washington Grizzly Stadium is the best stadium in the FCS. I think they have the best fans. I think it's the loudest stadium, the most raucous stadium. What the Bobcat fans did during that game, I was sitting in the end zone where all this was happening. That was super raucous. And I was blown away at the ratio of Grizz fans to Cat fans. In years past when I've gone to this game, if it's had been in Bozeman, it's probably been like 60% Bobcat fans, 40% Grizz fans. On Saturday, I don't know what the actual number was, but at the beginning of the game and throughout the game, it really felt like it was about 90 to 10%. The Bobcat, yeah, the Bobcat fans showed up. They showed, they showed up. up for this game. They showed up. And in my section, which, again, is like anecdotal, there was not a Grizz fan within high-fiving distance from me. Some of the Grizz finally Which started. is always good. That's how you want it to be when you have you, when you, you want to protect the house. Yeah. Uh, spreading them out is good. Spreading out the Grizz fans so you can't get any chance going. You can't get it really. It, it, how sad is that when you're watching a game like that and you have zero people? Well, you didn't have many things to high-five about in the game. but. No. Had it Almost been a game nothing. where you could high five somebody, how bad is that when you have nobody around you for that support? Terrible. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, when we were within 17, I tried to high five everyone around. I just did a big round of empty high fives because there's literally not a Grizz fan. I sat down and there was a guy to the in front of me to the right who was wearing a Grizz colored hat. And so I hit him on the shoulder. He turned around and his hat just said, um, fuck the Grizz. But it was in Grizz nice. colors. Turns out he was he was a uh, lineman for the Bobcats back in the seventies. Offensive lineman. When he played, he weighed two hundred pounds. So wow, suck on that. Things have changed a little bit. Things have changed. But yeah, that was uh, it. Was just raucous in there from the beginning. That was the rowdiest I've seen Bobcat Stadium. The the crowd noise, just the energy in that place was second to none that I've ever been uh, or ever experienced at Bobcat Stadium. Uh, another thing was just how gorgeous of a day it was. Sunny, 40 degrees, 42 degrees. We've been to some Cat Grizz games that are below zero. This just had a perfect setting. You're out in the tailgates. You weren't too cold. You weren't slogging through mud, slogging through ice, slogging through snow. Yep. It was just a fantastic day for football. That first fumble... Uh, set the tone, and from there, it was just an absolute ass-whooping by the Montana State Bobcats. Like, there was just no other way you could do it. There was no excuses you could make if you were a Grizz fan about, you know, a bounce here, a bounce here, or a bounce there. Uh, it wasn't like last year where you said you you could have had it, but a fumble at the goal line. Just, this was out of hand midway through the second quarter. And 
I think that's what added to that insane environment in Bobcat Stadium was just everybody knowing it was over basically at halftime. You still had like kind of those butterflies because you saw what happened last year yeah. in Missoula with the Grizz up twenty two to nothing. Yeah, it was. Uh, you kind of had to talk yourself out of that right? though. Like the, yeah, it was. Yeah, score cats, after half. Yeah, the cats kicked the Grizz ass the first half, like no question. But I, everyone in our section that was talking to me. Um, it was, everybody was pretty shocked that it was still just a 17 point game. Like for as much as the, as the yes, Cats dominated right. the first half, it was like, all right, Agreed. this is only 17 points. Um, the Grizz are clawing their way back. If they get a stop on the first drive, if they score on their second drive, you know, on, on their first drive, the Grizz first drive of the, In the second half, of the second half, all of a sudden it's a 10 point game. Like all of a sudden this is something and the Grizz didn't score another point. You know, and it was funny when I looked up at the clock and there was three, how long was, I can't remember. It was 10.54 left in the second quarter. So just a minute and 10 seconds or two minutes, whatever it was, into the second quarter, Tyrone Marshall has that 29-yard run to put the Cats up 24 to nothing. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm just like, I wish that it was the fourth quarter. I wish we could just stop this game now. I don't want to have to deal with this anxiety. Yeah. Knowing what happened last year, a 22 nothing lead blown. It's 24 to nothing, but there's so much time left. And we knew what the Grizz were doing in the second half. So I had to go out to the tailgate at halftime with it being 31-14, to 14, just thinking positive thoughts, knowing that the Cats were getting about six yards a carry. The Grizz weren't doing anything to stop them. You know, Marcus Knight scores that, that touchdown with six minutes left in the half. The Cats come right back with a three-minute drive. Uh, Afonso goes for 38 yards to get it back up to 31-7, to which was a massive play there. Um, and so that's when you, I started feeling a little bit more comfortable when I saw that even though Knight came down, got that touchdown, the Cats could kind of steal that momentum back. And they could have scored uh, a field goal at the end of the half to make it 34-14, but the false start penalty moved him back. Tristan Bailey missed a field goal. So um, that was a little bit – that was the most encouraging – spot um, with the Grizz scoring those 14 points in the second quarter was knowing Montana State was kind of taking those punches and then coming right back at them scoring and the Grizz couldn't really do anything to stop them no and, I mean they, uh, they couldn't do anything and I, a lot of credit has been given to uh, the Montana State rushing game which is well deserved you know their top three rushers averaged 8.1 6.4 and 10.1 yards per carry I mean if you're doing that and you don't have a quarterback, it doesn't matter. Like you're getting a first down on every other play. And when you watch the game, that's exactly what was happening. Um, it was unbelievable. I've never credit. seen the cats. I mean, Oh, never the Montana state rush running backs. Their rushing attack loves playing the Grizzlies. Totally. And it felt so one, I want to give a shout out though, to the Bobcat defense because the pressure yeah. they put on Dalton Sneed, the fact that he was sacked six times, the, the fact that uh, the Grizz rushing game was held to less than, uh, well, I mean, the total was like less than 50 yards, but that includes all the sacks. But I mean, even if you take out all the sacks, the Grizz were held to less than a hundred yards rushing. It was 86 yards. Yep. Yeah. Um, Dalton Sneed less held to less than 200 yards passing. Um, this game reminded me of two things. It reminded me one of cat Grizz from two years ago where the cat, uh, the cats just ran down the Grizz throat and you know, the Grizz were favored, um, and from beginning to end, the cats won that game, right? This also reminded me, I think the best analogy I've heard about what this game was, uh, was the Super Bowl. And this is again, our two favorite teams playing was the Super Bowl about the Broncos yeah, and the Seahawks was. where, yep. uh, 
you know, I, I, the Seahawks were slightly favored in that game, if I remember right. Um, they were, yeah. But it was an explosive offense. This was before Peyton Manning got his noodle arm uh, against a very good defense. But, you know, as a Broncos fan, I talked myself into the Broncos are going to win this game. They've dominated everybody this year. No one has slowed them down. And from truly the first play from scrimmage, or maybe the second play where they snapped it over Manning's head, you knew. I think that, that was the first was, play from scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. You, it was first or second, but you just knew it was like, this is over. There's Uh-oh. this game is over. Yeah. I can't believe I've been excited for the past 12 weeks about this. And um, <laughs> it's true. It is. A, I, I can't imagine. I, I can't really remember what it is like to, to have a letdown like this. Yeah. I mean, it's been four years. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think. You were a young man. The last time the Grizz won. I mean, now you're, I saw you this weekend. You look terrible. Um, Th- yeah, I was, I was, ju- I had just turned 30. I was, but 30. Yeah. You, you look, you look terrible for 34, but that's beside the point. It is. I mean, it was a ass kicking, and it, yeah, I, it, yeah. That, but I, you, you bring up a good point about that cat defense. Uh, just they were everywhere, and that Braden Conkle interception in the fourth quarter, I believe it was. Uh, Snead had a guy not open, but obviously, obviously not open, but down the middle of the field, it was coming right at me. I was on uh, in this on the sideline stands. Conkle got up to get that ball, and that was when I knew it was over. It was it was over before that. Like I knew that it was done. Like the game yeah. was over, but that was that nail in the coffin where you can start breathing a little bit easier. Yep. Uh, I almost passed out from being so excited, like yelling, <laughs> screaming so loud that I had to like grab onto my girlfriend and the mom in front of me. It wasn't even my mom; it was just a random lady in front of me and say like sorry, but I almost passed out because of that uh, interception by Conkle. Uh, You're just assuming she had kids. True. Uh, that's a bad. I mean, yeah, most boomers do at that age. Mate. Yeah, but she was definitely not born, you know, in the eighties or yeah. even the seventies. Maybe she's like a. But that was in. Wrestling. Yeah, that was with um. <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah, that was with eleven. Fifty-three left in that fourth quarter is when Conkle uh, intercepted that pass. It was on a on a third and one, and he intercepts that pass. No, I'm sorry. It was on a first and 10, and he intercepts that pass uh, at the Montana 39. They come down five plays later and uh, go up 48-14 to 14 at that point. Yeah. Uh, after that Braden Conklin interception, I think it was another Afonso run. Yeah, 17 yards for Afonso. That was when it, I mean, that's when that place turned into a party. Like, the whole game had been intense, rowdy, raucous, and that Conklin interception turned Bobcat Stadium into an absolute party zone. Yeah, so we were talking about this before we started recording, Um and I've said this a couple times uh, to folks since the game, but I think you know going in, the Grizz were obviously favored. They were favored by the Vegas line. If you talk to anybody, you know, it seemed like Montana was going to win that game. Grizz fans were overconfident. Most Cat fans were not very confident, and the Grizz were favored. So I think the Cats probably had a 30% chance to win that game. To win in the fashion that they did by 34 points and just absolutely stop the Grizzly offense is absolutely just a shit canning. Uh, there's probably like less than a 1% chance that this happened. Right. If you had a probability, yeah, chart, I mean, this, I never would have ever, ever, ever fathomed a win by 34 points. No. And without, if that, if that field goal at the end of the half isn't missed, it's a 50 burger on the Grizzlies hanging 50 on them. Well, that missed field goal, like it seemed important at the time, right? Like it was like, all right. Yeah. You're like, that would have been points. huge get, to get that extra three. We get three, the ball yeah. and we're down 10 in the third quarter. Like that is, that is a scary, that is yeah. a, 
margin that we can deal with. And we know that we're a second half team, but they were not a second half team on Saturday. Um, no. And, and it's, oh God, it's just a testament to that running game. What the cats can do when they get a lead like that, draining the clock, getting those chunks that they, <laughs> they need to get. It was unbelievable. So I do just going back to 2016. So that was the start of this little uh, four game win streak for the cats. It was a 24 to 17 win in Montana. Montana state had 368 yards rushing 142 of those from Chris Murray, by the way. So that was 368 yards in 2016. That was the game where he flipped into the end zone, right? Yep. Yep. And in 2017, it was the cats 31 to 23 win in Bozeman. Uh, Montana State had 322 yards rushing. So if you're keeping score at home, that's like, what, 690 yards of rushing? I'm not keeping score. I am. 690. So then we go to last year's game. Obviously, the Cats win that one 22-20. Montana State had 229 yards rushing uh, in that campaign. So that is right around 800. We'll just say it's 900 yards exactly. Okay. So 900 yards the last three years, and then Montana State comes out. It's really no secret what they're going to be doing, just like it hasn't been for the last four years, three years before that. And they go for 382 yards on on uh, Saturday. Isaiah Fonse, 171. Logan Jones, 121. Tyrone Marshall, 81 yards, who he just kind of started on these reverses the last couple weeks. I was going to say, Lane I Sumner, had never 12 heard yards. of Tyrone I mean, Marshall before. Well, they started doing that during, I think, I can't remember if it was the North, North uh, UNC game or the Southern Utah game, and they just kept doing it the rest of the year, so I'm surprised the Grizz didn't pick up on that. And then he has, yeah, eight eight yeah. rushes for 81 yards. So almost 1,300 rushing yards in the last four games against the Grizz. Not great. It's unbelievable. And there's never been a uh, – there's really never been a – like you, you know what's coming. There's no mystery to the Montana State offense. I mean, Tucker Rovig – Serviceable day, seven of thirteen for 102 yards. I mean, he didn't turn the ball <laughs> over. Turn, did the cats have a single turnover? No. Yeah, and so walking in, we were there with a you know a bunch of the mint guys, um, and then the extended mint family. Um, so Montana Parlay's brother was there. We'll call him Danny. Danny Parlay. Um, we walked into the game together. He's a big cat fan. He's like, "What? What has to happen for the cats to win?" I was like, "Well, I think they need to get extremely lucky." And they need to control the clock. And if you look at, you know, I mean, and I don't think they won because of luck by itself, but if they won because they got themselves a strong position early and were able to control the clock. And if you look at kind of that first four minutes of the game, we already talked about it, where it was a bad kick return from the Grizz, a delay of game, and then a fumble that the Cats recovered. Before the Cats scored a touchdown, they fumbled the ball three times and recovered each one of them. The quarterback, I, I think it was Rovig, but I can't be sure. I think Rovig, at quarterback, dropped the ball twice on one possession, picked it up both times, didn't turn it over. And then on that little, uh, uh, I think it was a little bubble screen, they fumbled it again. It might have been on a reverse, but they fumbled it Yeah, it was it actually Travis Johnson had that on the first and goal at the Montana 6, and he had the he had the fumble. Was it on a reverse or on a little screen? Uh, I mean, they called it a run, Okay, basically. so, but regardless, it was like it came over to the sideline. He gets popped. The ball comes out, and it lands in the lap of a Cats player who was on the ground. So, right there, there's a tremendous amount of luck. Right, fumbles are there's a luck that is associated with who recovers fumbles. The Cats went four and zero in the Cats' favor, 
And then they just didn't turn back. I mean, their running game was unbelievable, and they did what they needed to do. Yeah, and I think an underrated. I mean, we a lot of people on Twitter were talking about it, and a lot of people noticed it, but that it, the little parallel to the 2018 game, that first play from Sir, uh, from scrimmage for the Grizzlies, that fumble by Torre, was the second straight play from scrimmage that the Grizz had fumbled the ball, dating back to last year's goal line fumble. By people, going into by the people were mentioning that. Do you mean uh, you were tweeting directly at Bobby Houck that? Yes, you were, I, I needed to let Bobby were, Hauk know after his comments. On Twitter, there was a there was a tipping point with the beers on Saturday night, you where were. I wasn't on Twitter literally all day, like no social media. Posted a picture from after the game, like on Instagram, no social media at all. And there was a tipping point with the beers at dinner or somewhere where I was like, you know what, fuck this, I am going to start firing off some pretty hot takes directly at Coach Hauk's Twitter account. Yeah, I got some of them. So yeah, here. there was, I'm, I and I deleted a couple the next day because you look back and you go, you know, if <laughs> Hot Take Nate ever runs for president uh, <laughs> under that pseudonym, uh, you know, no, it wasn't anything like inappropriate, but maybe a little aggressive to be tweeting at a head coach uh, of a university in Montana when there's really not that ton many people in Montana. But uh, yeah, but so yes, I was talking about that fumble, the two plays from scrimmage. But did you know the same guy recovered both those fumbles? Well, let's read through a few of your tweets. I was just thinking at Montana Grizz B-Ball, lost an NAIA school earlier this week, and then today yes. happened to Coach Houck. What a shitty week to be a Grizz. Hashtag little bro. That one's, I, I kept that one. Yep. That one did not get deleted because that was one of my favorites as well. That's, that was Nate. a top three. Uh, an hour later. Also, did anyone notice this? Parentheses. Sorry if you did. End parentheses. On that first play of the game, it was a throwback to last season, a Grizz fumble inside the 10 at Coach Houck. Yeah. Um, I, I liked I liked poking Houck. I mean, not that he probably ever reads those. He, it's like the official Twitter feed of Coach Houck, right. but not necessarily like his Hot Twitter. Hot Nate, one hour later. So I'm assuming like four beers later. When do we start the MSU going to FBS narrative? Question mark. Ooh, that was a good one. We have more students than Wyoming. No real in-state rival, parentheses, four straight. Is it time? question mark exclamation point that one was fun because it's obviously it's an obvious nod to e-grizz and the move up movement that a lot of grizzly fans have there's no that one actually that's bullshit there is no there's an actual thread on e-grizz there is a maybe loud one percent minority that our own mike nugent from the grizz fan podcast is a move up supporter no he's not yes he is he is if if they create a middle division for shitty FBS and good FCS teams, then I think he supports it. But he's not a supporter of moving up. He's to on Twitter. He Regardless, the no, he is on Twitter Nate. saying that he's a supporter. A couple hours. Uh, but that, the that my, no, that one. I want to go back to that one because the one the one that I did about the moving up was my favorite one because there was some people in my mentions like screenshotting Wikipedia of past cat Grizz games. And they're like no in-state rival. What are you talking about? <laughs> da, 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 da. And then you'd have all these cat fans are like, well, that took 20 minutes for someone to actually bite on that tweet. And then some guy did a gif of like a joke going over someone's head. So that one was probably my best interaction one. Yeah. And um, my most clever later. one. Hot take Nate. So at coach Houck, again, directly at him. Why do you guys have a building called the Champion Center? Champions in quotation marks. Does I don't. Make sense? I don't know. I need to do the man. Yeah. Uh, hashtag four. 
So Silver that one is in direct fans, response. So probably have a home game next week and something to do. That Hashtag one I deleted for sure because I didn't. Um, so yeah. the one about the Champion Center, I will go back to that one. That one was in direct response to uh, when someone asked Coach Hauk who would win in a mascot fight between Monty and Champ. Uh-huh. He kind of scoffed and he goes, I don't get why they call their mascot Champ. Well, so mine was, funny. why do you guys call your building the Champion Center? Uh, well, when was the last time the, the Bobcats were champions in football? When was the last time you like won the conference? Sky Champions? I don't know. Okay, well, I think you just answered your own question. The well, what was the last time the Grizz won the cha- when the Which you're going to deny conference. vehemently. Um, but, you know, Bobcats won. Hats off. There was a uh, FCS rider who was trying to be holier than thou. Well, everybody knows him. Um, I forget. Oh, I don't want to get his name wrong. It's either Craig Healy or Craig Haley. Craig Haley. Haley. Um, t- grumpiest, grumpiest man on Twitter. Grumpiest man on Twitter tweeted something about like, you know, like the Bobcats won and it just goes to show that the Grizz fans being arrogant on Twitter is the reason. And he was clearly just trying to get in on all the Bobcat love, all the Bobcat fans are refreshing their, refreshing their Twitter feed. He just wanted all, oh, for sure. all those likes. So I, I responded from the mint account. Um, with something about him trying to harvest all this bobcat love and a hilarious gif of some man harvesting his field and went to bed. Yeah, I was like, woke up. You can only imagine a hilarious gif of some man harvesting his field. I'm sure it was just a gut buster. People people were laughing. And uh, woke up. That tweet was gone. Hot Take Nate in his beer-fueled cleanup of his Twitter feed deleted the only anti-Bobcat tweet that went out that day. So pretty lame. Quality control. Un- un- not unconscious, but uh, subconscious quality control for the Mint account, apparently. Yeah. Didn't know I did it. I apologize to anybody I offended with my deleting of tweets. I don't apologize for any other tweets that I sent out that day. Yeah, um, I don't want to... It was fantastic. Yeah. No, so and I got a going on more, the field... A nope. couple more points. Well, I, I do, too. Hit. I do too. Okay. And mine was going on the field afterwards and celebrating with the Bobcat players and fans was fantastic. That never gets old. Yeah. Uh, did it for like really like the first time two years ago uh, after they beat Gresh Jensen, gone down to the field and did that. This time, that I, the people on the field, the it was so insanely intense still. Uh, the Bobcat players coming by, they were seriously jacked up. I, you know, I walked by Braden Conkle and he's just telling, I mean, everybody, that was an ass kicking. Everybody's holding up the four sign. They got the, they got the uh, Continental Divide trophies, I think they call it, but everybody calls it the Brawl of the Wild trophy anyway. Uh, you know, that's going around. It was just a, such a fantastic party atmosphere after the game uh, as well. Yeah, it, I, I walked through the field just to, like, let the, the disappointment pour over me. So walking, luckily I had a jacket on that wasn't Grizz affiliated. I had my mint sports hat on. So, um, pulled up my jacket. I wasn't, no one could see. I was a Grizz fan. I just walked through this sea of celebration that I was not taking part in. And it just, uh, it just got me fired up for next year. Um, you're already looking for next year, right? Oh yeah. But I got a couple more. Let's see. I'm going through, I sent you a few things I wanted to talk about. So one thing before I get to the, the weekend highlights, uh, walking out of the game, saw a bunch of, they were like probably just out of college age kids arguing with each other at the tailgate. The Grizz fan of them was trying to argue like, well, you might've won this game, but 
We have more playoff wins over the past 15 years, like seven to one, or like he was given some stat. Uh, you just got to own the loss, buddy. Like, don't, you know, yeah, we've been, we've been to national championships in the past 25 years. It doesn't matter in the moment. You can talk about that a week later, a week before Cat Grizz. When you get your ass kicked in Cat Grizz, no one gives a shit. You can't pull That's up That's very some. true. It's just. You can't pull up the past the day of the game. Like maybe in the summer when you're at the cabin on Flathead yes, Lake exactly. and you have a few family members that are Grizz fans and a few to their Cats fans and you guys start talking about it, you can start kind of bringing up the historical exactly. context of the rivalry or the, the programs. But on a day you just got beat 48 to 14, like there's really nothing you can say that any Cat fan is going to give a shit about. Yeah, it could not have mattered. Like, it could not no. have been more than a half hour after the, cause like the game ended, walked around the field for a while, walked out to our tailgate. Um, and it was on the way there that this kid was, was making that argument. Just yeah. like, and, and there was one thing that it, it was kind of funny how, and I think a lot of people saw this on Twitter too, was there was kind of a little bit of a Hauk, uh, snippet that a lot of people, uh, couldn't believe where <laughs> how goes, you see the reaction at the end of the game here in this state. This is a quote in his in his presser. You see the reaction at the game. You see the reaction at the end of the game here in the stadium. This game is everything to them. Their sole focus is to beat us. Maybe we need to start doing that ourselves. Maybe that's where I'm failing. And I think um, obviously, Cat fans love to find the faults in Bobby Howe because uh, you know that's he's kind of that enemy that the Yankees, you know, of the FCS. He's the Derek Jeter, the A Rod. If you yeah. hate the Yankees, you're going to hate him too. But um, I thought that was kind of funny that he said that. And it never seems – he did say, and I will say for context, that he did say the Cats played well that day and, yep. and you know deserved to win. I just didn't like the tone of that at the end of the game, saying this is all the Cats play for. Because this game is so massive for the state of Montana, for everybody involved. You can't just poo-poo the Grizz fans' feelings about that game. Like, like it wouldn't have been going crazy in Washington Grizzly if the Grizzlies would have uh, won 48-14. to 14. Like, that place would have been absolutely oh, rocking too. I would have been dunking on and so, so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really – I didn't love that at the end of the game. There's just a little bit of difference between uh, Hauk and Choate, I think, a little bit in that class department when it comes to the pressers. There's one thing we don't know, though, is how Choate would ever handle a Cat Grizz loss because it just true. hasn't happened to him. So we don't know the class yeah. level of Coach Choate yet when it comes to Cat Grizz. So it's hard to really knock Bobby all the way because that would suck to come back to, to the Grizz and lose your first two to Coach Choate. So we will have to hold our class argument probably until the – how or till Choate loses one, but if I thought does, that was kind of yeah. just an interesting if he ever does, yeah. Uh, so I thought that was just kind of an interesting snippet from the presser, though. Yeah, no, I know, like, you know, uh, Coach Choate is uh, he's won four in a row, so I mean, it's tart. And it uh, is it time to carve a mountain? Someone, so, someone replied to one of my tweets earlier, uh, in the week or on Saturday, uh. Something about if Choate would have done what Hauk's done in the first two years at MSU that Hauk's done in his two years back, we would have carved a mountain in Choate's, you know, bust. I think it might be time. Yeah. Well, I think uh, you as a Cat fan, look, Coach Choate, he builds and he he gets better. You guys have already matched just by having a buy. You've matched where you were last year. Your record this year is better than it was last year. I think you got to be worried that if there is a shitty FBS opening that coach Choate has this narrative now where he may be looking to leave. I mean, that the funny part is I don't think that's like going to happen next year. You never know though. Honestly, you never know. If he gets uh, a, if that, he gets that a, thought, if he gets that thought FBS, crossed my mind. 
do you think, I think you'd be crazy to say no. I think he's going to be interviewing for jobs this off season. I don't know if he'll get one, but like, I don't, I don't know. And that's, that, that is a question. That is something that has crossed my mind. Obviously when you build to this, you know, Cats going nine and three, six and two, one of the losses. So nine and two against uh, FCS opponents this year. You know, it is something that crosses your mind. You see what he's building at Montana state. You can see, um, you might not want to bring him into a team that needs a quarterback, but you definitely could bring him into a place that has, you know, needs a guy to instill a certain culture yeah. that was lost by the coach before, can pull a community and a university together and, uh, you know, keep the faith through all of this and build a team the right way. Um, like that, obviously that thoughts crossed my mind. Uh, do I think it happens next year? I don't, but well, the way I mean, he's doing things, if, if he, if he, if we have a repeat season, which I, don't see any indication we wouldn't have another season like this next year uh yeah that becomes a very distinct possibility well but i do think it's hard to improve on this year next year right like you guys have been excitement level wise yes awesome this record year. wise record no. wise i mean you had a super easy schedule and you won the games you needed to you won the game that matters and cat grizz you're going to have a buy in the playoffs you'll probably win that first game and then you'd play ndsu in the second round right no. Oh, no, you'd play him in the semifinals. So, That'd be Sacramento State, probably, okay. in the second. So, you know, there's a lot of positives. It's kind of hard to – assuming that you have a tougher schedule next year, it's it's kind of hard to assume you're going to be better. And if I'm Coach Choate, who is a guy who cares about narrative, a guy who cares about his image in the public, a guy who will say anything to appear like he is like this you know super cool football guy – Jeff Choate, um, I think he, if I'm him, I'm looking. I was like, I think this is my peak narrative. <laughs> I think that's, and it's, in, that's in the F- worst F- take on this. No, this I, that is the worst take on the Montana State 2019 season heading into 2020. That this year's schedule was so easy. No, that's Montana's, not, not Montana, to, just look at Montana's schedule last year was very easy. I'm not trying and to they had a harder schedule this year and did a great job. You had an easy job. schedule and you won the games that you needed to. Like, this is not taking away from anything that they did they won the games they needed to and they won some good games they they beat the number yeah three team in the country three team in the country um you're the number what did you end up in this in the stats bowl five five yeah you're the fifth team in the country without a quarterback and with a tougher schedule are you going to improve on that so with when you have someone who thrives on narrative and image this is peak narrative if you are cashing in this is the year to cash in Period. No, I mean, I think he's he's championship or bust. I think, just like I said, Montana had an easier schedule last year, came out and did better this year with a harder schedule than last year. Why? I don't see how Montana State could be looked at any different with the players that they have coming back. Troy, Fonse, you know, Rovig, if he improves, the guy, the three-star <laughs> quarterback that we have coming in from Washington if yeah. he doesn't go to an FBF school. He I'm might go saying, to Washington or Wazoo now. It's on my radar as – I would bet. That's the nice part, and that is Any that is an advantage that the Grizz have. Any that is the advantage that the Grizz have is that we know that Hauk is never going to go FBS again because every single person in the FBS saw what he could do it in didn't that work. level. Exactly. But, and he wins like a game or two. But I think we, we both agree that Jeff Choate's career goals exceed Montana State. I would assume so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we have that. I think 
there are limited coaches above him in the FCS available to to interview, right? Like NDSU just got a net a head coach. He's got to be there for a little. Well, while. the way those guys turn through there, I don't know. Um, I think Jeff Choate I mean, is going to be Jay Hill from Weber jobs. State. I think Jeff Choate is going to be interviewing for jobs. Jay Hill probably interviewing for jobs, and I'm just saying. I bet any amount of money he interviews, and I think – I wouldn't say it's likely he leaves, but good chance he leaves. All right. That's it for the games. This Good chance he leaves this offseason? No, I said – I just said – In good, general, ever? Well, no, yes. No, no, no. A There's good a very chance, good chance that he's going to leave the I program at some chance, point. I don't mean majority chance. I think like a realistic chance that he leaves. Eh, not this year. Right, we'll keep track of open – That's a real hot take for you. Open uh, coaching positions in the FBS – uh, a couple highlights from the weekend beyond the game. It was a miserable three and a half hour period, or whatever the game went. Uh, but the weekend was awesome. We had a meetup with every with a bunch of our listeners. Probably like twenty people showed up uh, in Bozeman for a little happy hour. It was great to meet, talk to you. Uh, those of you that showed up, those of you that couldn't make it, we hope to meet you uh, next time. Um, it was great to hang out with all the Mint guys couple shout outs. Uh, I'm going to make some of these stories anonymous, but I'll give shout outs to those I can. Uh, during the game, I sat next to Montana Parlay. Uh, when the Cats were winning in the second quarter, he was paranoid the Grizz were going to come back in the second half. So he went row by row in our section, screaming at everybody that they needed to be back by the end of halftime. So don't, don't dilly dally out at the tailgates or don't even go out to the tailgates. Stay in your seats. He then went down to the student section and would get the entire section's attention, scream at them not to go out for the tailgates. They were looking at him like he was a crazy person. And then he'd go Insane. to the next well, he section. Is. He's a crazy person. Um, uh, he also, on his flight home on Sunday, everyone was pretty hungover. And he was Which playing, he booked at 5.50 in the morning. He was playing Moni Moni. Um, he also, I shared a hotel room with him. Had a 5.50 a.m. flight. He rolled into the hotel room at about 4.20 uh, a.m. to grab his stuff, where I had already been asleep for about seven hours. Uh, other highlights include we had the the first non-player to hug Jeff Choate after the game was yeah. the Mint's co-owner, our very own Scotty Mint. Not only got his arm around Jeff Choate right after the game, not only got a selfie, I think the first selfie with Jeff Choate had to have the game, been. Um, but he was also on Root Sports for about 20 seconds, and he insists that he was talking to Jeff Choate about, you know, congrats on running a very good run, de- uh, you know, rushing attack. All it was was Scotty Mint screaming at him, I can't believe we won four in a row. Um, <laughs> I think those are the only stories that are probably appropriate to share on the air but we had we had an awesome week it was a great time no it was a fantastic week and it was one of those ones where you get kind of d one you're on adrenaline if you're a cat fan especially you're on adrenaline for the rest of that night you don't really feel yourself getting tired or getting really buzzed or anything like that there's so much adrenaline excitement happiness of what just happened that day you're still coming down from just that electric atmosphere you wake up sunday you are dead tired dehydrated uh some of us have to get on planes fly away it was and then and then on monday you get up for work and you're still dehydrated when you're our age you're still a little bit tired it's not a full-blown hangover but it's just like that was a lot of beer this weekend kind of deal yeah 
And then you start kind of thinking about how excited you were for that Cat Grizz game and the post-vacation blues kind of set in, that depression when you see that you had blocked something out on your calendar for the last year that said Cat Grizz uh, and it's over. You kind of get that that post-vacation, that post-event depression. Um, and I've been trying to keep it alive on Twitter and, and watching videos, which is not the same. So we had such a, And that's always a good sign that you had a, a fantastic time with great friends uh, and a big win. So it was, it was a great weekend all the way around. Um, and then, um, oh, one thing that we do, we would be remiss if we didn't mention this Troy Anderson, not playing. How bad does that suck for Troy Anderson? So the I was star of the state. Yeah. I was convinced that it was all because starting Friday night, we heard that, you know, he was banged up. He may not play that morning. We heard that someone saw him walking around with a boot and I just thought it was all bullshit. I thought it was, you know, he's going to come out there. Anyone who listened to the pod last week, I was convinced that the Bobcats were going to start him at quarterback as part of a rushing attack to run it down the grid's throat. And I I think if he was healthy, that's what they would have done. Um, So I was convinced that he was going to play. And it was super disappointing he didn't play. It was super disappointing that Sammy Akem didn't get to play for the Grizz. In a game like this, you want both teams to be full strength. and For sure. And I think we talked about that last week, too. Yeah, not having to run the sideline. I mean, he is – everybody in the state loves him. He has. He probably yeah. has a ninety percent. I felt bad for him in Missoula for sure. Um, Future governor of the state for sure. Yeah, and same with the chem. Like no one say one bad thing. No, about you like Sam watching him play. I agree with you. I agree with you. Electric players and not having him on the field sucked. Uh, I don't think either of them missing the game affected the outcome. No, you know, I think the Grizz passing game is stronger with the chem. But if we would have lost by a touchdown, it'd be like oh, you could piss and moan that him being yeah. out there and kind of a couple passes that Roberts dropped, it would have changed something. Yeah. And I think when you yeah, on the same token, like Sammy Kem is worth maybe eight points. He's not worth 30 yeah. points. And I think the Troy, the Troy thing would have been, you would have noticed that if the cats really needed that spark from their offense, you know, if yeah. I, if Fonse was getting bottled up, if um, you know, if Rovick wasn't being able to do his thing, if Logan Jones couldn't get it going, well, uh, you you kind of look to Troy to take that Wildcat snap and get the place kind of rock and get the offense moving, and they just yeah. didn't need it. So good for the Cats going into playoffs. And I can honestly tell you that the Cat Grizz kind of weekend hasn't worn off yet where I've really started getting excited for the playoffs. Um, it, it just really hasn't yet. It was so much fun to watch that game. So it'll be interesting to look ahead and, and see how Troy does or how Troy's feeling when it comes to playoff time because – Obviously, as as we get down, go down the line, Troy's going to be needed, and uh, we hope he just gets healthy. And we wish he could have played in that game. It sucked that it had to happen um, on the biggest game of the year, but um, hopefully he's getting healthy and we get to see him down the line. And same with Sammy Akem. Hopefully, yeah. you know he gets to play in the playoffs too. And I think that's great. Why both teams got got buys? Give them an extra week, and you know hopefully they're yeah. ready to rock. And- yeah, and so before I know we were going to get into our second segment here in a second, but today they did release the all Big Sky teams. Yeah, uh, and did you want to, the first team kind of go through the not go through them like and talk about them, but just list them off a little bit? The Cats and the Grizz. So Sam Torre got the first team uh, wide receiver all Big Sky. So that's pretty cool when you have that guy. And Kim would have obviously been there if he had stayed healthy. I would assume, right? I would hope so. Um, yeah, so two first-team Big Sky receivers on the team is pretty spectacular. Montana State got Mitch Brott on the offensive line. He's a senior, so he got a first-team in his senior year. Travis Johnson got that all-purpose uh, first-team. All- Did they have all-purpose last year? 
They had remember Troy Anderson got athlete. He was like athlete, right? Yeah. So I wonder if they just uh, named that all purpose now. But <laughs> anyway, Travis Johnson gets the all purpose uh, designation in, in the Big Sky first team all purpose player, and then punt returner Jerry Lou McGee in his senior year. He unanimous. never did beat Montana State. Yes, unanimous. Um, that's something you kind of forget too is all these guys that played uh, as a true freshman never did beat the Cats. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, I'd love to see JLM recognized, though. He is, I think, yeah, he's he is electric. top five Grizz players for me all time. Borderline yeah. top five. He might be, like, number seven if I actually yeah. put pen to paper. So then, but I love him. Um, no, he was a pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we don't have to play him anymore. To, to be honest with you, that's one of the guys you're like, thank God he's uh, graduating if you're a, a opposing team. Yep. And then uh, the defensive end, of course, Troy Anderson now gets – First team all defense for last year. He was first team all. <laughs> so, yeah, first offense. team all outside linebacker. And his freshman year, he was a uh, freshman of the year. And uh, you had Josh Hill, uh, first team inside linebacker. Inside linebacker, yeah. The Grizz had two guys, uh, our two monsters inside linebacker, Dante Olsen, Jace Lewis. Uh, Dante Olsen, of course, getting a unanimous all-time or all-first team selection. Uh, and then we can let's plow through these. Well, Braden, Con- don't forget about Braden Conkle. Oh, let's well, tell me about him. First team defensive back. The dude had the insane interception oh, there on Sneed. Yeah, yeah, Braden Conkle on there. He definitely deserved it. I saw him uh, get, dapped him up on the field after the game. He is a big dude, yeah. tall, and j- he he has the body to maybe play at the next level. Huge dude. Yeah, and he's a senior. Yep. Um. All right, second team. Case Cookus, uh, our only player that we'll talk about, not from Montana or Montana State. Well, no, well actually, you know what? Jeff Cotton. Jeff Cotton. Where, yeah, I was just going to say, I saw him underneath, and I was like, oh, wait, never mind. Which is, look, Jeff Cotton, as much as we <laughs> We like, made so much fun of Luke. As much fun as we made of Idaho, there are very few players in the Big Sky Conference who – stood out as much as he did. And granted he was banged up a couple games, but he absolutely dominated. And the fact that JJ Koski, the wide receiver from Cal Poly got first team over him, where do you remember talking about JJ Koski one time this year? Nope. Uh, the fact that Jeff Cotton did not get first team, I think is bullshit. Uh, you know, Sammy Akem would have been first team, probably would have been close to unanimous first team. Had he stayed healthy all year, uh, and you look kind of just down this list, uh, you know, other guys have been banged up. Alonzo Gilliam, um, they just had great years. Shout out to all of them. I don't want to talk about offensive linemen. Well, not on the first. No, game. offensive linemen don't really care. Montana, Montana, Montana had two though. Uh, Montana State had one. Yeah. Uh, in Lewis, and great Creed. for them. I mean, yeah, for them. And but I'm not going to pretend to um, know that. No, I'm not very good at offensive line stuff too. But I think the biggest second, first team snub that got second team is Bryce Sturt getting second team defense on, uh, at the end position for Montana State. That dude led the Big Sky Conference in tackles for loss and sacks. He had a little dry spell in the middle of the season, but that when you he's a Buchanan Award finalist. Mm-hmm. How the hell is he not first team defense? I don't know. And that dude's huge too. I dapped him up on the field. He's bigger than Conkle. That dude was massive. Yeah. Um, but go ahead. He was the snub. He was the snub, uh, in my opinion on this, on this second team. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Um, and then the biggest snub overall, and I'm, ex- I'm interested to hear your thoughts. So Eric Barrier, Barrier got a third team 
quarterback, which means Dalton Sneed <laughs> fell to honorable mention, yeah. which he tied with Mason Petrino. Dalton Sneed, look, he was banged up. But for a couple games this year, he was so dominant for large chunks of this season. The fact that he was not named first, second, or third team to me is is just insane. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And those like, quarter like need to for he's named in the he's now named in the same sentence as Jacob Nip from Northern Colorado and Mason Petrino. Yeah, it's just I mean give, I don't see it. Give me a break. <laughs> Thompson, if if it wasn't for Thompson, I mean that's the crazy part is I would have looked at Snead as probably the second best quarterback in the league. Yeah, because and look for, for other positions, just his leadership and the way, everything. For other positions, you can look purely at stats, but quarterbacks, to me, wins need to matter, and the fact that you have Eric Berrier, who had a great year, unquestionably, but they didn't even come close to making the playoffs. That we ruled them out. Three or four yeah. weeks ago, they were done. Done three weeks ago. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it to me, I don't, is, I don't get that one either. Um, yeah. Oh, you don't, you didn't remember that uh, newcomer of the year was Marcus Knight, running back from Montana, led the league oh, in yeah. rushing touchdowns. That was very nice. And Dante Olson got co-defensive player of the year. Uh, that's another guy who I'm glad is graduating because he was too good for the Big Sky. Yeah. So. He was dominant. Did they? They didn't have an announced coach of the year, right? Uh, the coach of the year, yes, they did actually, oh. and it was, was Sacramento it? State's coach. Okay, that well, he deserves that. Troy Taylor. Yeah. Troy Taylor said that they were the San San Francisco 49ers of the '80s, the Big Sky Conference, and I did a spit take in his face when he told me that, and and then he ended up and they dominated. So wrong. good for him. Yeah. All right. So that that was the teams. We're gonna play a little music to signal that we're going to a different segment. We'll be right back. All right, so we are starting our second half of the show here. And we're going to get back to a pretty popular segment we always love to do, and we're going to grade the big sky. Now that the regular season is over, we know who the playoff teams are. We know who the ranked teams are. We know what everybody's body of work was for the year. Bear Tycoon, how are you going to do it? Okay, well, let's let's start off. We're going to try to go in a bit of a random order. This is somewhat alphabetical, um, but let's start out with Cal Poly. So we'll, we'll kind of go through their resume. Each give them a letter grade. Uh, Cal Poly, three and eight on the year, two and six in Big Sky Conference. Wins at San Diego, where they just stomped San Diego. Um, beat Southern Utah, beat Northern Colorado. We don't need to go through all their losses because they were plentiful. Um, end of the season, their coach uh, resigned. Coach Tim Walsh. Yeah, retired. 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 Um, so they are uh, without a coach. We pegged them to be a little bit better going into this year. We always think a team that's running a triple option offense, you know, they are – they got something else going on. You know, it just feels like they they can sneak in a few games. We put them at four and a half wins. They did not get there. Uh, three wins overall. This is a huge disappointment for them. We didn't think they were going to be very good. Uh, I think we have to give them probably – I'm going to give them a D. I'm going to try to give this a perfect uh, uh, curve here. So I'm giving them a D plus. 
Yeah, I'm going to give them a D. When they started out with that win against San Diego, we were like, ooh, they could maybe be one of those frisky teams that we always get to talk about at the beginning of the yeah. year. San Diego's a you know a perennial playoff team, uh, albeit from a shitty conference who doesn't even give scholarships. But you see what they did. There's 52-34. Their quarterback threw for some touchdowns. So you're like, oh, maybe they changed up their offense. Maybe they could do something. And then uh, just basically the rest of the way, they got that win against Southern Utah and the win against Northern Colorado. So you beat up on the bottom feeders of the conference. So it's a D. Uh, everything I heard about their coach is he was a pretty classy dude. So, um, you know, hopefully he has a great retirement. But also hopefully Cal Poly can kind of regenerate their program and rejuvenate their offense. Yeah, probably should have stuck with uh, Joe Prothrow. Got him on for another seventh Eighth, season. And, 18th season. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so that's it for Cal Poly. Done for the year. Done so. The next D for done. The next team obviously. we have, Eastern Washington, the Eagles, uh, either ranked one or two on most people's preseason polls coming into the year. Uh, Eastern Washington finished seven and five overall, six and two in the Big Sky Conference. But that seven and five is deceiving because one of those wins was against Lindenwood, a D2 school. So only six FCS wins on the year, had an awful loss at Idaho, um, and never really seemed to bounce back from that. They lost to start the year, they lost. FBS Washington, then they had their uh, D2 win against Lindenwood, a close game on the road at Jacksonville State, which hats off to them for scheduling it and traveling across the country. And then lost to Idaho September 21st. Just never really seemed the same after that. Kind of started the unraveling there. Yeah, and that was when they came into conference play with zero FCS wins. It was like they need to basically run the table. And then Sac State came alive, happened, beat them, yeah. uh, Montana beat them handily, uh, middle of or end of October. Um, and even their four game win streak at the end of the year, it didn't matter. Um, this is a huge disappointment for them, but overall they're still one of the best teams in the big sky, um, with a six and two record. I'm going to give them a C is that, Hmm. Well, C is average and they were, Seven and five on the year, which is just slightly above yeah. average, I, I suppose. Yeah, I. I mean, they're also the. I don't know if I should be grading them. The number. I don't know if I should be in the FCS. Yeah. I mean, they also. Yeah, and I don't know if I should be grading them off of like their expectations at the beginning of the year. Like, do you grade a student on what you think he's going to be, yeah. or do you grade them on their body of work? No. So I'd probably give him a C minus. Okay, this is an A student that got a C. Like that's True. a huge disappointment. True. Yeah, you're right. It's not like a new student to the high school. It's a one that's like a senior. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving it a, if if we put it that way. No, I'm going to give it a C minus. Like the, the games that they lost were against good teams. If you take out that Idaho loss. Yes. I don't call Idaho a good team. The Jacksonville state game, the Sac state game and the Montana game. But by then, when they got, like you said, when they got on that four, uh, four game winning streak at the end of the year, when they beat NAU, Idaho State, Cal Poly, Portland State, it was just too late. They scheduled too hard of an out of conference. That opening loss to Idaho absolutely just screwed them over when it came to uh, needing the amount of FCS wins that they did. Like you said, applaud them for going to Jacksonville State and playing that game. But C minus, you know, a little bit below average. They, they were a team that we thought was going to contend for the conference, just a little too late for them. Uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, and actually, uh, just looked up uh, Jacksonville State's record. How'd they finish? Three and five in conference, six and six overall. Ooh, uh, never mind. That That's enough. I'm moving them down to a C-. You're right. C-. Yep. 
And you know what? One thing about Eastern Washington before we move on is I do not miss them being in the playoffs. Like they, they, no. there's nothing that I think that it benefits the Big Sky or like I need them to be in the playoffs for people to take the Big Sky seriously or kind of consider us the top conference. Like I do not miss them at all being in the playoffs, having to see them on ESPN with that shitty ass red field. Good riddance to Eastern Washington's playoff uh, tenure for at least this year. Yeah. Um, all right. The next team are. One of our favorite teams in all of football, the Idaho Vandals, finished the year three and five overall. Or sorry, three and five in conference, five and seven overall. Um, I feel like we've gone through their resume every week, but just for one last time, let's do it again. <laughs> They're that first game of the year, man. <laughs> that just set the stage for Idaho's year. <laughs> it went on the road to Penn State, lost seventy nine to seven, a seventy two point loss. Beat Division II Central Washington by 10. Lost at Wyoming only by five. And so then it was like, well, maybe this team's a little bit better. You know, FBS team, close game on the road. Then they beat Eastern Washington, who, again, at the time, we thought was pretty good. We thought that was a signature win. Okay, so then they followed that up with a loss at Northern Colorado. Can't have that. Lose to Weber State. Eh. Lose at Portland State. Not just lose, get shut out. (laughs) 24-0. Other wins came. They had three more wins this year. Idaho State, Cal Poly, Northern Arizona. They also lost by a combined 73-24 to to Montana and Sacramento State. So this is a team that can uh, win some of their games against the bottom of the conference, but will almost certainly lose their games to the teams at the top of the conference, highlighted by... Uh, the Petrino bros, uh, coach Paul, son, Mason at quarterback, uh, just giving us content after content throughout the year, um, where Mason looked terrible. He was still starting. And then against Northern Arizona, one of the worst, uh, defensive teams in the country by some metrics, the worst defensive team in the country in terms of, uh, yards, yards given up 126 passing yards given up 125. I think there's only 126 FCS teams, but Mason set all sorts of Idaho Vandal records to close out his year in Idaho and his career at Idaho. Uh, this was so funny. I mean, we're not giving superlatives out, but these guys are definitely the class clowns. They've kept us entertained. Um, <laughs> overall four wins. When you knock out that central Washington thing, Ugh. I mean, the Big Sky Conference struggled this year overall, so we can't rate them too low. I guess I'm – God. Am I giving them a C-? minus? No, I can't. They're getting a D plus. Yeah, no, and when D you said solid. C-. minus, D solid. D solid. Okay, I'll give them the D plus to help with the curve, I suppose. But uh, D plus, the plus, be- the plus coming because we did like them. Like we're that teacher who has the class clown. Yeah. But you do like when you go home at night, kind of laugh about what they did in class that yep. day, maybe. So you, you have like a little bit of affection for them inside your heart that you can't outwardly show because they are disrupting class. Uh, you never know what they're going to do next. They're unpredictable. But you know, when you go home and tell your significant other what you did teaching that day, like this team will inevitably come up and you'll kind of both laugh, shake your head and be like fucking Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> like no, I love them. What the hell? Yeah. They're, 
they're good to have around. They're a good addition to the. But we are so glad they're here, but sometimes they're just like, what in the hell? Yeah, not a great showing. Um. All right. Well, if Idaho was was our most recent team, that obviously falls that the Idaho State Bengals will be uh, the next team we talk about. About as easy as it gets on this grid. Yes. So two and six in the conference, three and nine overall. But one of those wins was against is what I think Western Colorado's NAIA. Um, yeah. Okay. So they went two and six in conference, two and nine overall. Had wins. Portland State at home, North Dakota at home. They blew North Dakota playoff team out somehow. Of water. Um, and that's it. Otherwise, just got beat up by everybody. Uh, this has to be an F, right? It's an F, and there's no way around because it. Because really. we were, or at least I was, going into conference. You're kind play. of on that fantasy bandwagon. You were. Fantasy you let was, the head coach get in your great. head a little bit. So here, for their first four and a half games, win against Western. Well, no, hold on. First week one, first five and a half weeks, week one, bye week. Let's not forget, they took a bye week in week one. Week two, Western Colorado. Week three, lose to number 11, Utah, on the road. Okay. We don't really know who they are. They then host. Oh, no, they go on the road to Northern Iowa, other playoff team, lose by a touchdown. Okay. Well, that's a good game. Beat Portland State. All right. First conference game, looking okay. First half against Montana in week Come out strong. six. Up big. Right? Are they up 21-3 yeah. in that game? They were up big in that first half. Yeah. Uh, 21 – or 17-0 they were up in that game. End up losing 59-20. to But for like partway through that game, I felt justified in being on Idaho State's corner. Uh, they did not live up to the expectations I had set for them. Definitely an F. What a huge, huge disappointment. And they didn't name a starting quarterback until I think the Northern Iowa game. And then they were doing quarterback by committee for a while. It was just a disaster. So uh, hopefully they rebound. I like when Idaho state is competitive because I just kind of like these state schools, but definitely an F. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, it's an, it's an F. There's no conversation needed here. <laughs> it's an F. That end of the year six game losing streak. Ugh. Somehow sandwiched. It would have been they get the Montana win and then they they lose to Montana. Sorry, and then they get a win against a North Dakota playoff team. The Cats just look like crap against. They put up 55 on that North Dakota defense, and then they just do six straight losses to close out the year. Uh, pretty much garbage. They also scored uh, five points in a game. Yeah, against Eastern. Would you that's rather? Yeah. Yeah, that's an F. Like I feel like you're better off scoring zero points. When you lose like forty-eight nothing, it's just like, well, that's a nasty. It's more kicking. noticeable when what, you do forty-eight it like five. to five. It's like, hmm. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Yeah, when, it's way more noticeable that you got the shit kicked out of you when it's only five points. Yeah, this stands out. This stands out for some reason. Exactly. Okay, F for Idaho State. Next up, another team who we had kind of floating around on the bubble. Northern Arizona. The Lumberjacks, two and six in conference, four and eight overall. One of those wins against, uh, again, I think NAIA Western New Mexico. Uh, two losses. Oh, no, just one loss at FBS Arizona. Uh, started out the year looking okay. Again, this was like 
a few weeks into the season, we didn't know who they were, beat Missouri State, put up 41 against Arizona, beat this uh, Western Mexico school. It's like, all right, these guys could be frisky. Lose Illinois State, get beat pretty bad by Montana State, uh, and then only have two more wins for the rest of the year, Northern Colorado and Portland State. Lose to a team such as, I mean, they lost to Southern Utah. They lost to Idaho. Uh, not a great year. Before I give my grade, what give me your thoughts on Northern Arizona. It reminded me of the Montana State teams of the Ash, the latter Ash years with Prukop at quarterback who could light up any scoreboard, who could beat any defense, who was a FBS talent, much like Case Cookus is. But then Montana State would score and the defense would have to stop the other team from scoring and they were just like a sieve letting the other team score. This is the NAU of 2019 where Case Cookus would come out. He had the, he was the number one passer in the FCS basically, 4,313 yeah. yards. And then he would hand the ball over to the defense after he scored a touchdown and they were the 126 out of 126 teams in yards allowed. So that's what it reminded me of, as hurtful as it was, because it just sucks when you waste a generational talent like Case Cook is, just like the Cats wasted their Dakota Prukop years. Uh, so I feel bad for Case Cook is, you know, he looked great against Montana State in that first half. They were up 21, 28 nothing, I think, on the Cats. And Montana State came back and won 49 to 31. Feel bad for Case because that defense was god awful, god god awful. Yes, and uh, you know you have to give them an F uh, for the season because of that. Ugh. You wasted Case Cookus' senior year. Well, we're there's just so many teams that deserve an F, and I know it's going to be hard to grade on a curve when the biggest. Well, but I think I think in the bottom look, tier. I think I'm keeping track of where we're ranking everybody, and I think with where this conference is super front loaded. Uh, where I think we might have like four teams that deserve some type of A. So if we have a lot of Fs with the sprinkling in between, we might be okay. Uh, Northern <laughs> Arizona, but yeah. just let me – I'm looking for their – God, I have this written down somewhere, the rankings they received. So Northern Arizona was receiving votes as late as week nine. Oh, wow. Isn't that insane? People want to like Northern Arizona. They yeah. Case Cook is, like I said, is just an electric quarterback. They, I mean, they have cool unis. They, all that stuff. Like, you want to like them. Yeah. So they were receiving votes in the top 25 with wins against Missouri State, Western New Mexico, Northern Colorado, and Portland State. This was the end of October. After their win against Portland State, they're going into Eastern Washington, receiving votes in the top 25. Eastern Washington at the time, not receiving votes. And they just got absolutely dick-nailed. And, <laughs> I mean, it's just so, such a disappointment. We set the over-under for them coming into the year. Uh, this is obviously head, coach's Chris, head coach Chris Ball's first season. Everyone was pretty high on him. We were high on him. Uh, we set the over-under at six and a half wins. They were well under that. And one of those wins, of course, being a bad school. I think we have to do – I think it has to be an F. It has to be. And like I said, you wasted – You wasted Case Cookies. Yeah. So in a vacuum, year. probably a D. But then you, you add in the fact that they waste Case Cookies. I think that knocks them down. I think you're right. Yep, I agree. Okay. 
Northern Colorado, uh, F. <laughs> Do we even need yeah. to go there? <laughs> like, oh, they did fire their coach, who, again, I heard was a pretty awesome dude. Uh, you know, helped a lot of guys – you know, become men at that school. A lot of people didn't want him to get fired. The wins just weren't there, obviously. Uh, it's kind of that lose-lose school. Like, what the hell are you going to do going to Northern Colorado and try and recruit into Greeley, Colorado? Yeah. Um, no facility, shitty uniforms, shitty city. Wor- uh, worst the, Always going to be the bottom the of the big sky. sky. Like, what's the point? Worst record in the big sky, 2-10 and ten overall, 2-6 and six in the conference. Uh, highlights throughout the year include a 50 to zero loss to Sacramento they were, state. They were winning at Washington state for a second. Yeah. That's the highlight of their year. Yeah. They started out with two FBS games and in week one only lost at San Jose state by 17 points. I think that was like a pretty close. Let me pull up the box score. And that's less than the Grizz lost to the cats. So yeah. that was to an FBS school. Truly. Yeah. I mean, it, ugh. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, F, do, I don't need yeah. to go team by team. They, we don't need they to go much everybody. farther okay. than that. Yeah. F for UNC. Portland State finished basically we, right in the middle of the Big Sky Conference. With three freaking wins in the Big Sky. Three and five. That's how top-loaded this freaking yeah. conference was. Three and five in conference. Five and seven overall. Ranked number six in the Big Sky Conference. Their wins. God, Jesus Christ. Their wins ranked from worst to best, okay? Eastern Oregon, Simon Fraser, who is a Canadian team, uh, Northern Colorado, Southern Utah, Idaho. Those are their five wins. They should only really have three. I mean, the the two, Simon Fraser, Eastern Oregon, those should not count as big victories for Portland State. No. Um, they're another team that received some votes. They were getting top 25 votes as late as week eight. Um, I think by default, it's hard to rank them too low. So, oh my God. I guess I will honestly tell you that Portland State was a team I didn't pay literally two seconds attention to this whole season. The Cats didn't play them. I know that the Grizz uh, had to go to Portland State. Yeah, I was, was somewhere that weekend. <laughs> I didn't notice them all year. Like I honestly did not notice Portland State all season. I almost said, yeah, but the Grizz played them early in the year. They played them no, November three weeks November ago. 2nd. Yeah, three weeks ago actually. Um, yeah, they're pretty forgettable. Forgettable squad. Um, their top passer, Alexander. Their top rusher, someone named Sergio Hoffman. Hoffman. These are Samuel. not these are not names I recognize. No. They did have the number ten uh, most yard, the tenth most yards in the FCS this year. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, that is nuts. Um, very balanced, that is, very balanced passing and rushing game. But that three thousand yards passing, twenty four hundred yards rushing. That includes two games against true uh division two or worse teams where they won 129 to 16 combined yeah so what grade do you give them do you just give them a c minus because they weren't as bad as other schools or you to give them a d plus i mean they lost the games they were supposed to lose i guess besides idaho state 
Yeah, let me see. That's the one you have to win, but they lose to NAU. Maybe that's not one they should have lost, but they lose to Montana, Davis, Washington, Eastern Washington. Like Those are good squads. I don't know. Yeah, like, we put them I, I almost want to give them a incomplete because I didn't notice that they were in my class all year and I forgot to grade them. I put them at three and a half wins overall, um, and they ended up with five. So I think they exceeded okay. expectations. I guess I'll give them a C. Not a C minus, not a C plus. Just a C overall. So we have three teams with an F, two teams with a D, two teams with a C. Um, I'm gonna get. I'll give them a. I'm gonna give. I'll give them a. Shoot, man. Probably a C. Like five and you're right. Five and seven is probably better than I thought they would do. But they also played Simon Fraser in Eastern Oregon. Yeah. Uh, but they kept it close against an SEC school, Arkansas. Yep. Arkansas was horrid. But still, FCS year. school. But um, FBS school, yeah. Um, they didn't yeah, have whatever. they I'll didn't have an FCS game until September twenty eighth. Two yeah. FBS. I'll give them a C. Just yeah. I, I really don't care about them. Like they're ones that I would be grading their papers or grading, um, you know, their final grade, getting ready for parent teacher yeah. conferences, and I'd be like, who is this kid? Like I don't even remember him being in my classes, and then I'm gonna have to make up shit to say about him, which is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> like I really don't care about Portland State, nor did I even pay attention to them this year. Yep, I completely agree. Um, next on the list, our first A. And in fact, I'll go as far as saying A plus. Sacramento State Hornets. Oh, easy. Not only did they have a great resume, but they, more than any other team, just demolished our expectations. We set the over-under, talked about this last week, at two games. Okay? We thought they were going to beat Southern Oregon, which they did. And then we had no other guaranteed win on the schedule. These guys yep. end up going nine and three, a share of the Big Sky Conference at seven and one. Their only losses were either uh, at at FBS schools, lost to Arizona State and Fresno State, uh, and then lost to Weber State at home. Kind of got blown out by Weber State, thirty six seventeen. If you watch that game, it wasn't really close. Um, but I mean, this this team so exciting. It's awesome that they are doing well. Uh, and most importantly, from my perspective, not only are they doing well, but their fans are turning out. When they beat the Grizz, I was devastated, but that stadium was packed. When you look at it was, yeah. Look at their um, the Causeway Classic this year in Sacramento State. And I'm trying to find the attendance. I saw it. I think it was like fifteen thousand. So people. Sacramento State for that cat for the for the Grizz game? No, for the UC Davis game. Oh, it was damn near twenty thousand. Yeah. There was nineteen thousand yes. fans at the Cosmic Classic on the last weekend. And eighty two. For and that has to be I would I would guess this is the biggest audience to see a Big Sky conference game that did not involve one of the two Montana schools. I would agree. I think it has. I, I would think it has to be. I don't see how you would, how how it couldn't be. It's awesome. Um, and so, like, their yeah, fans are turning. It's great out. for the conference. It's great. Um, it's something we should all be very, very happy about. And even when Weber State came, you know, keep in mind Weber State. They're consistently good, but it's not like they're well known as being an awesome team. They still got uh, over eleven thousand fans at that Sacramento State game. Yeah. 
No, it's Sacramento State was a it was a fantastic story for the conference this year. It added a lot of excitement. They weren't just like this boring team. Like if Cal Poly was the one doing it, you'd be like, well, shit, it's a triple option team. This kind of sucks. Sacramento State was doing it with a ton of offense. They had the number twelve passing attack, the number thirty four rushing attack. They're number six in the FCS in yards. Yeah, it's a it's a it's about as far and away as an A plus as you could get in a season. Uh, just uh, they got the coach of the year um, as we talked about earlier. Sacramento State just a fantastic season. Everything they did. Uh, Thompson got hurt in that Weber State game. I think Weber still would have beat them. I, I kind of told Montana Parlay that he was so high on Sac State. But uh, this is going to be a scary team. If Montana State wins their first-round playoff matchup, Sacramento State wins their first-round playoff matchup, the game will be down in Sacramento uh, between the two Big Sky squads. They're a scary, scary team, uh, A-plus for sure. Yeah, we thought this was a bad team with maybe the toughest schedule in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, and they ended up being a great team with the toughest schedule in the Big Sky yeah, Conference. Truly. I mean, they they did not have their worst team on they the had no schedule. no missteps. Was, yeah. I mean, they, they had to go on the road, Northern Arizona and Idaho, but they it's, they didn't play Southern Utah or UNC. That stretch. Or Idaho I'll never forget. Yeah. And I'll never forget that stretch when they go, they beat Eastern Washington, Montana State, Montana in that order. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, what in the hell just happened? I think all of them had to have been top 10 teams at the time they when were. they got beat. Yep. Yeah. So we so we were just like, this is absolutely insane. I remember watching that Eastern Washington game on, on TV and yeah. being like, oh, these guys might be good. And we play them the next week. And then they came out and showed Montana State who they were when they went to Bozeman. So, yeah, what a, what a season for Sac State. Yeah, and Sacramento State not in the top 25 until week seven. Insane. And they finished right now they're number three in the stats poll. Number three in the stats poll and number four in – Number four seed. Number four seed in the playoffs. Yep. Good for them. Good for Coach Troy Taylor. That is an awesome turnaround. And, you know – we want team when teams do well, we want their fan bases to do well and like to, to be supporting them. And that's what they're, that's what they've done. They're they're For sure. Their fan base is coming out and yeah, let's yeah. Because Southern Utah, probably when they were winning the conference championship, whatever that four or five years ago, yeah. probably had like 3000 fans at the game. Yeah. No one cared. Nope. All right. Southern Utah F minus or just, I guess don't want to talk F. about them. Regular F. Yeah. Just F. Yeah. Okay. I'm closing out of that window. Yonder. Done. Uh, UC Davis. Oof. What a weird year for UC Davis. <sighs> Super weird. They could have won that game last weekend against Sacramento State, too. Yeah. UC Davis, preseason number five in the country. I forget if, if in our power poll they were preseason number one or number two in the big sky. Um, but through week, so through week four, they were ranked number four in the country. Ended out of the playoffs, not receiving any votes. This is a huge, huge disappointment. But overall, um, compared to the rest of the conference, pretty average. Three and five in conference, five and seven overall. Um, you know, they had two losses that are pretty excusable, you know, at Cal, at North Dakota State. So that knocks, if you knock those two out, gets them down to like a 500 team. Um, but they just didn't take care of it in, in conference play. Yeah, they, I mean, when you look at it in the way we've been grading, they, they beat the teams that they should have been beating, the Cal Poly, Southern Utah, yep. Portland States of the world, San Diego, Lehigh, and they lost to the teams 
that were just in that next tier up from them this year, which was weird because we thought UC Davis was going to be that top-tier team, and they yeah. just were right below that top tier. You know, they had the losses to Sac State, Montana State, Weber State, and Montana. So they lost to all four Big Sky playoff schools. So and talk about Dakota. a tough schedule. Davis had a tough schedule. And North Dakota, sorry, five playoff yeah. teams that they lost to, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. They went 3-5 and five in conference, and the five conference losses <laughs> yeah. they had were playoff postseason teams. Yeah. They had easily the toughest schedule yeah. uh, in the Big Sky. The funny part was they should have lost. I mean, I always brought this up because I thought it was so funny after Cal Poly killed San Diego. Davis only wins by three. Um. And on a controversial call, it was just a really weird season for Davis. Um, even after that San Diego scare, they go to North Dakota State and they played pretty well. They were in that game in the fourth quarter, and you're thinking, okay, they might catch their stride uh, going into Montana. It was a little bit scary for Grizz fans, I think. And then the Grizz just took care of business, and from there, you could just see that Davis was not the same team that they were a year ago. Yeah, no, no good wins, and. Uh, no bad losses. No bad losses. But, um, <laughs> That's just like the definition of a C. Yeah, that is a that, C minus maybe because they were they were they had so much expectations. Yeah, yeah. I'll give them a I'll give them a C. I mean, they weren't even in the Montana game. They were like, bad when they played Montana. I think they were ranked number four in the country. Yeah, and you know when the Grizz beat them, it was a huge win and it was a tough game. Like it was uh, even I don't know. The Grizz just came out of the yeah. second half and demolished them, but for yeah. a while, like it was, it was a one touchdown game, fourteen seven. And even when Montana, and even when Montana State came out to Davis uh, two weeks ago, Davis was favored by five points in that game yeah. by by kickoff. Yeah, I took the Cats money line and made a little money off of them. That boy, it was, I, Paid I for was a like, trip this is kind of crazy. It did. Uh, it, it was just kind of crazy. I mean, Davis had that respect of people, and Mon- and even at the end of the year, they had some losses there. Yeah. You know, against Montana State, and then they were up against Sac State. They should have, they could have won that game very easily. The twenty-seven seventeen score that that ended is not indicative of what it was. Thompson had a late uh, touchdown run. Uh, they were down ten uh, a lot of that, or up. I'm sorry, UC Davis was up ten a lot of that game. Yeah, and uh, just a weird year for them. You hope they're, you think they're gonna be back. They have the facilities to be back. I told, we talked about that last week. Great facilities, a good head coach. A, a fantastic atmosphere, yeah. uh, a new facility that's coming, uh, that's being built there. So I think they're here to stay. I think they just probably need to find a little bit of, I don't know what, not tradition or not traction, but yeah, well, no, but this is just something, you know, they are. So two years in a row, they've gone from awesome to average. That kind of happens with the top tier of the big sky conference, right? Like Eastern Washington a few years ago, I mean, they routinely make the playoffs, but they didn't. I think it was in like 2016, the Grizz beat them early and they ended up not making the playoffs. The Bobcats and the Grizz will make the playoffs, but they're always kind of in the top half of the conference. UC Davis, I think, has kind of cemented themselves, as long as they have Coach Hawkins, as being a top half of the conference team. Yeah, I could see that. Right, I think like there are the teams, and they're gonna they're gonna be able to recruit to be a top half of the conference. Team, yeah, yes. to me that's their floor, and their floor they hit their floor this year. Um, next team, this is an other A share of the Big Sky Conference, seven and one in conference, nine and three overall. Weber State, their only losses at FBS schools or teams that should move up to the FBS at San Diego State, <laughs> at Nevada, and at Montana. So three road losses to very very good. Teams. I think when when Montana beat them, wasn't it a three versus five or three versus six? Um, 
game. So, I mean, it was, yeah. Montana was number six versus Weber State number three going into that game. But in, yes. in Washington Grizzly, uh, yeah, this team's awesome. I think that if the Grizz play Weber State ten times in a neutral in a neutral uh, field, Weber State probably wins six or seven of those games. I think they are a complete team. Uh, we've talked about how their offense is incredibly underrated. Their defense is very good. Um, you know, the bracket has lined up where if the Grizz win, uh, they they will face Weber State in round two, or I guess uh, technically in round three. Uh, but in their second game of the playoffs, that is Weber State's a good team. Uh, yeah, they're a weird team. They're a very weird team if you look at like where their ranks are within the FCS. Yeah. There's nothing too high, nothing too low. You know, there, there's literally nothing that stands out when you look at those rankings. Like, oh, I can see why they went, you know, whatever their record was, yeah. why they went seven and one in conference nine three overall. Or I could see that. Like, if you just looked, if someone gave you a stat sheet and showed you the Weber State rankings in the FCS and like the. Yep. I don't know, even Northern Arizona rankings, you would think that probably Northern Arizona, well, maybe not if they're the 126th team in the country in defense, but there's a lot of teams you could put their rankings side by side and you would probably guess wrong on who is the number three seed in the FCS playoffs this year. They're just a weird team. That Montana loss was very strange. I mean, it really wasn't close at all, and it gave Cats fans nightmares going into this weekend's game seeing that you know, how Montana handled Weber State. So a very weird loss uh, to Montana in that sense. But they are kind of just the class of the big sky all the way. That Sacramento State was their massive statement win uh, on the road. Handled them very, very easily. Even with Thompson in, I think they handle Sac State easily. So I think the class of the big sky and why they got that number three seed um, and the highest seed out of any of the big sky schools. Yeah, and I mean, I do. Th- I, I agree if you just look purely at their rankings. Nothing jumps out, but a couple things to consider. They don't have a cupcake on their schedule. And so no. you, there's no, you know, there's a few teams that were able to inflate their offensive stats because of having a cupcake or two on their schedule. They also had two FBS teams on their schedule. So that is going to bring both their offense, uh, but not necessarily their defensive ranking. Not yeah, not their defense. Yeah. <laughs> the two FBS games they lost combined uh, 25 to 13. Um, but in terms of offense, they weren't moving the ball against Nevada or San Diego State. So I get I get your ranking comparison, but I think if we were able to kind of filter out cupcakes from everybody, Weber State would be doing uh, much better and would stand out. I think we have to give them – it has to be an A-plus, right? For sure. Yeah, they, they, were, they were just the, the class of the big sky this year. Closed out the games they needed to. That North, you know, they hosted North Dakota, only beat them by three, but they closed it out. They got yep. done what they needed to get done. It was a super close game, uh, but yeah, I think it was a great season. Obviously, a great season for Weber State when you get the number three uh, seed in the playoffs. So A plus for Weber State. Okay, the next team we got those Montana Grizzlies. This I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Montana, six and two in conference, nine and three overall. They came in with a very difficult schedule. They, their losses at Oregon, at co-champion Sacramento State, at or at at uh, Montana State this past weekend. If you didn't remember, um, oh yeah, wins against co-champion Weber State, Eastern Washington, who at the time uh, was a little frisky, at UC Davis, who at the time was ranked very high. 
home for Weber State, who at the time was ranked number three, home for Monmouth, who is a playoff team, a pretty good resume of teams. Now, it's tempting to overreact to that Bobcat loss and say, because to me as a Grizz fan, this season, just because of that game, is a huge disappointment. But when you look at it objectively, I think it's hard to give them anything but an A. This is a team that has a bye in the playoffs. When you look at their offensive ranks, yeah, we're talking about Weber State. UM didn't have any cupcakes either, and their offensive ranks are very high across the board, close to top 10 in almost everything. Um, yeah. I think this this has to be this has to be an A. And I think the only, no, I, I the only knock on them would be that Bobcat ass kicking, right? Like losing the Bobcats is one thing on the, if they lose by like 10 on the road, it's like, well, that's a tough game. Like it's, you know, it's the Super Bowl of the state, but the fact that they lost yeah. so big kind of has me wavering between a and a minus, but I'm trying to look at it objectively. I think the fact that they still ended up getting a playoff by, I don't know how we cannot give them an A, especially at the beginning of the year when the over-under we set for them was six and a half wins. They exceeded that by two and a half games. I'm giving them an A. No, I, I would I would agree with you there. I think you have to give them the A. It is funny recording this after the Cat Grizz game. That 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 game does take a lot of that shine and luster totally. at first glance off their season. Like totally. You do forget that they manhandled Weber State the weekend before. You know, they manhandled Eastern Washington a down year, but they manhandled Davis. They they lost to Sac State. So I think the that Sac State loss, that was a pretty big loss too by twenty seven. Yeah. You know, and they, they got, were never they, they were never in that game. Right. They got No, they were never in that game and they were never in the Montana State game. Yeah. You know, I, I give them that A. They did improve uh, from last year. Obviously, they went from not making the playoffs to to getting a seed in the playoffs and getting probably the number three seed if they did knock off Montana State last weekend. It is funny the recency bias on it because you would think uh, you just think with the, how festive and how much of a party scene it was in Bobcat Stadium after that win that you kind of forget that they ran through their schedule pretty well, yeah, and did what they needed to do uh, against some decent teams and that loss to Sac State's the biggest one, but Sac State's an A plus team and had the coach of the year and an amazing year for them. So you know you give them an A just because. When you can get through the conference at six and two with two losses, that's you're always doing something right. Like it's a tough conference, and you're going to be playing enough teams where more than two losses is still a decent year. And they went six and two, nine and three, so you have to give them an A. Yep, and I think so. We'll move on to the Bobcats. Um, obviously, another A candidate. If you look at their strength of schedule, and you look at their three losses. So six and two in conference, nine and three overall. You could make an argument that I'm not going to make, but you could make an argument <laughs> that they should be ranked lower than the Grizzlies, despite the the head to head win, because their one loss at North Dakota, you know that they looked really bad in that game. They also had a game where they uh, had to squeak by Cal Poly in overtime, but a win's a win. North Dakota. At the time, that was a bad loss. They're a playoff team, so can't give Montana State anything lower than an A, um, and especially with the ass-kicking they give the Grizz this past weekend. Um, yeah. How can you give them anything but an A? Yeah, and I, I would. There was there was that time in the season, and uh, Coach Choate talked about it in his press conference yesterday. 
that they come off that Cal Poly OT. The next week they lose to Sac State. Then there's a bye, and then there's the loss at North Dakota, and it takes until November 2nd, almost a month really, where you start feeling better about that team with that 42-7 to win against Southern Utah. Yep. And he talks about how tough that was, how long it took. The way they ended the season cemented that A. Obviously that, those wins against Davis and then the massive win against Montana yeah. kind of solidifies that A. There was that time in the middle of the season, it's like that middle of the semester where the you're starting the, the kid's starting to struggle, and you don't know if they're going to be able to turn it around. You know, maybe the extracurricular activities, the pressure, the stress. You're you're it's a, a really good student, and something's just off, and you're you're losing a special year. That's kind of how it felt there for a second. I think almost every cat fan felt it. I I would assume the team felt it too. They turned it around at the end. They got back. You know, the two losses, the two FBS. I'm sorry, the two FCS losses that they had this year were to playoff teams. One of them's the number three seed in the whole, or I'm sorry, the four seed in the whole country. So you have to give them an A. It was another great growing season for them you know Choate's done it in each one of his years improved and this year getting a seed I didn't think there was a chance to get a seed after that North Dakota game yeah and they came away with those four wins at the end of the year they got the number five seed in the playoffs and I mean to get a number five seed you have to give a team an A but I think it's the way they did it pulled together an amazing team and a fun team to watch um, most of the time besides the North Dakota game uh, so yeah I have to give them an A as well yeah. pretty proud of the Bobcats this year for sure all right let me I got we got to get going, but um, one thing I want to point out, if you haven't seen it already, uh, speaking of North Dakota, they're going down to Nichols. They're a road team going down to Nichols or Nichols State, if we always forget. Um, have you seen the visitor locker locker room Very pictures? Bad. Very bad. They Nichols doesn't have a visitor locker room, so they've set up a tent outside of the stadium with, like, you know those – they're not porta-potties, but they're, like, the nice – porta potties where like there's kind of a door and you walk in it's like an outdoor bathroom that is what they have set up for um for the poor uh north dakota team traveling down in Nichols. check it out on our twitter if you haven't seen it already one question i want to ask you nate on a huge high uh after that bobcat win if montana state does not get as far as montana in the playoffs does that change your view overall of the season <laughs> right that, that's a funny question because i've thought about a, a lot about it and i kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast that i haven't looked forward like forward to the playoffs yet yeah because i'm still high off that win high off the win right now i don't give a shit what happens the rest of the year like right now in this moment when you're asking me on tuesday yeah before thanksgiving i do not care about the playoffs especially when there's not a game this weekend when i have to wait two weekends for a game I could care less about anything going on in the cat season. That game last weekend was a highlight of my sports life in the sense of just being in that atmosphere, energized, electric. Yeah. Uh, ask me again, you know, when it comes to that first playoff game where they play Albany or Central Connecticut or whoever the hell is going to come over from the East Coast, ask me again there, and I would probably be insanely disappointed if we lost that first-round game and the Grizz won. I know we'd get chirped at quite a bit by the Grizz fans, but – Right now, nothing can take away a 48-14 to 14 win in this, what happened last weekend. So you'd have to ask me again next week when we record. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the only way – so, I mean, obviously it will be nice if the, if the Grizz win a game or two. I think the only way to offset Cat Grizz in terms of, like, my mental health is if the Grizz get, uh, like, two rounds beyond the Cats. And so if the Cats lose – their first game and the Grizz make a run to the semifinals or they both win. That's fair. 
the Cats lose <laughs> second round and the Grizz make it to the championship somehow. Like if there's that big of a gap, I might be able to start talking myself into it. But even then, it's yeah. like, and we talked that it's the main reason we started this company and this podcast. Everything revolves around Cat Grizz. It is truly the Super Bowl of Montana, True. and it it's all that matters. And I'll say that it is so much fun. Uh, and this is like probably the, the most obvious thing you could say, but it's so much fun when the two Montana teams are back on top like this. I mean, not yeah. the very top, obviously, uh, Sac State and Weber State, the toast of the conference this year. But when Montana and Montana State are playing in an atmosphere as electric as it was with not the playoffs on the line, but the seating on the line, yeah. it is pretty special. There's still a lot, uh, even knowing that both teams are going to make the playoffs, I was wondering like kind of how the atmosphere would be. Would it be a little bit less uh, intense, but it was not. That seating was on the line. And then you can never diminish Cat Grizz. Like it was just such a fantastic weekend for everybody. Uh, game, you know, notwithstanding for the Grizz fans, but so good to have the both Montana teams back where they're 9-3 and three and 6-2 and two in the conference. It's the way it should be with the facilities and the following that they have. So Completely agree. Um, just can't wait. I really, I mean, when you look forward to it, it's, it's going to be fun to watch these playoffs and having both teams in them for the first time in a long time that both teams have been uh, able to both be a part of the playoffs in the same year. So um, I am looking forward to that. It'll be fun. Yeah. I can't wait. And, you know, nice, no big sky football to watch this weekend. So a uh, little bit of a break. Everybody, everybody enjoy their Thanksgiving. Yeah, Stress free. Yeah. And we'll be back yeah. next week. <laughs> We will. So, uh, yeah, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, you know, drink responsibly. Uh, have fun tomorrow night when you see all your high school friends at the bar. That's I think it. That's about it. Yeah, no watch party this week. No watch party this week. All right, man. We have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk next you week. You too. Sounds good. Love you all. I've been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? But I've been for Cotton Eye Joe. I've been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? you